do anything you want. I ain't got no problem with it. I promise you that shit. Listen to the words. He, 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 he. Garbage. A joke. Clown axe. Pisses me off. No. Come find no. me. No. No. He, no. Come find me. Listen to the word. He. Come find he. me. He. He. Garbage. A joke. Clown axe. Pisses me off. I ain't a hard guy to find. I promise you that shit. Well, I promise you that shit. He. Listen to the word. Garbage. Garbage. A, a joke. joke. Clown axe. Pisses me off. Man, I ain't gonna tell you what pisses me off today, but um, it rhymes with Shmi-SPN. I mean, all, all, all a brother trying to do is educate some football. That's all. But we're gonna have to talk some ball today. We ain't gonna be able to show y'all some ball today. And that's not necessarily my fault. Um, but that's okay. I, I think it's gonna be across the board. So what we're gonna have to do today is do a tremendous job of educating football, talking football, describing football, without the X's and O's on the screen. Now, am I gifted enough to do so? Yes, 100%. Do I prefer to do it this way? Absolutely not. Do I prefer to do it this way with zero notes as I'm currently doing? No. But what I have found throughout the years doing this job is that sometimes when I'm completely unprepared, I come with that heat. And I don't know if tonight's going to be one of them occasions but it just might be. Um, welcome in. Hope you enjoyed tonight's uh, whatever this is. Normally, we have some type of NBR set up. We have some type of film study set up. We have some type of something set up. Tonight, not the case. Tonight, we're just going to riff off the top of the head. Hope you guys enjoyed being here today. Hit that thumbs up button while you are here. Let's talk about this football game. Okay, let's just get off of all that. Okay. I always sit down every Monday after having watched it in person on Saturday and I tried to figure out why the game went the way it did. Who won, why'd they win, how'd they do it? That's the first thing I go to do. I rewatch it all. I jot it down, jot down really like the game-changing moments, the moments that are important, the moments that come back, the moments that flash, right? These, uh, these momentums, the momentum swinging moments. Um, and typically, that leads me to a result and a conclusion of as to why one team won and, and all that good stuff. I have an answer for Saturday, and it's definitely at the eight-minute mark, right when Kirby Smart calls a timeout. After that, game completely changes 100%, and we could talk about that moving forward as the night progresses. But I will say this. No game that I have studied since I've been on this beat, remember I was not here in 2017, my first season was 2019. For the first time in my time observing and studying the University of Georgia has every single freaking snap mattered i mean every every play every time the ball was snapped on saturday something could have changed the game to the point where the outcome was different now i know it was just a one-point swing but this wasn't this was never like this was never like a, a a big comeback this game was never out of reach this game was constantly doing this okay granted one team constantly felt like they were pulling away but couldn't quite cut uh the the throat of the giant but never have i ever watched a game and been like you know what that first series stop considering the fact that georgia didn't seem to stop them afterwards for the next four possessions that was huge that was the difference between 34 uh 35 to 14 and 28 to 14 that's a massive difference okay uh that play in the middle of the second quarter that one mattered uh that 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 uh situation where it's it's fourth and six right obviously that one matters uh, Kirby Smart elected to kick a field goal down eight, or I think he was down 17 points. Kirby Smart decision to kick a field goal after getting sacked in the red zone. I know for a fact there's a lot of these analytic gurus that say you gotta you gotta go for it there. You're only gonna get so many possessions left in the football game. Every single little thing that had to happen happened. Okay. And I, I hear people ask, like, how did Georgia? I, the number one question I got was. I don't even know how we won that football game. Or the number one comment I saw all the time was like, I don't even know how Georgia even came out with a victory. Like, how'd that even happen? And I watched it today, and I'll tell you how it happened. One, as we predicted here, Ohio State had z like zilch to not a rushing success, though they managed to create chicken salad out of nothing. They managed to create some, some gimmicky runs that Ryan Day did a good enough job of designing. But to be honest with you, they, they were kind of one-dimensional most of the football game. 
Um, so there was that. Georgia did a great job of doing that. Um, Georgia also did a great job of responding from two 14-point deficits that looked, I mean, undeniable. Like, they looked un- like insurmountable, rather, uh, coming back, right? And I think during the stretch, most importantly, during the stretch of play that we'll talk about in a little bit with Stetson, I think your offensive coordinator did a tremendous job of saving the offense when the quarterback wasn't exactly operating at 100%, Right. So I, it's hard to do this without all the, the game summaries and all the notes in front of me. Typically, people jart these, jart, jart, chart these things out before they get into a show like this. Um, I'm going to type in the Georgia and Ohio State game summary and just show you. I got it actually pulled up over here. Just like the chart summary kind of explains everything to me and just like how the game flow looks, or at least it'll give me a recollection of how things work. So let, let's talk about after the interception, right, or what happened during the interception. I can't show you because we're on film. But um, Ohio State continued to flash the front side inside linebacker and wrap him around C-gap. So they would let the defensive end be a free defender, Georgia would, and then the outside or the front side inside linebacker would wrap and add on to the box. So basically what it did was it completely negated Georgia's uh, naked boot game, which is what they do basically all of their stuff out of. And it also kind of negated their split zone action um, and their inside zone action in general because it did not allow the backside end to be held accountable with the quarterback read, okay, because he could just play free that inside linebacker out there. So what Munkin ultimately did was about midway through, right after the interception, he started figuring out like, okay, we've got to start motioning and crack, like motioning uh, the tight end from the left side to the right kicking that defensive end, allowing the inside linebacker to take himself out of the play, and then cutting off of that. It's why you saw the Kenny McIntosh break for for uh 80-yard run, whatever, and the, and the uh, snipers got him, right? It's why you saw Kendall Milton start having some success inside the tackle box. He had a 12, 13-yard gainer midway through the second quarter, really running with uh, you know, behind his pads and having an ability to really get downhill, right? It's why you started seeing uh, Todd Munkin motioning and returning, right? He was trying to pull defenders away from the rush, rushing surface that he was trying to attack. Okay, so all of these things, okay, all these little adjustments from your offensive coordinator allowed you to survive a portion of the football game where, let's be honest, your quarterback was not great. I gave myself a lot of flack after Saturday's game for kind of criticizing Stetson Bennett's play. And then I went back and watched the TV broadcast. And after throwing for 398 yards or whatever it was and winning that football game, particularly the way he played in the last two drives, do you guys know what the first thing Kirby Smart said to Laura Rutledge on the sideline was? He's got to play better next week if we expect to win. Stetson's got to play better football. And that was the reality for a portion of the football game. But I, during that one for nine stretch, which is how he opened, I think he opened 10 for 12 for 150. He had a one for eight stretch that basically started with that almost interception right before the half and basically the eight minute mark in the fourth quarter. That entire stretch, Todd Munkin managed to keep it at a 14 point deficit. That to me is mind blowing. He had a quarterback who, if you guys watched it, to me, I said this on Baxter Street Boys just now. To me, every single time he dropped back in that stretch of the football game, I thought there was a potential he might turn it over. He was double tapping the football. He was indecisive in his reads. He looked like he was seeing ghosts to an extent. And then all of a sudden, he just wipes it out. He just wipes it out and suddenly becomes... You know, the guy we've been watching all year. He was playing on time. He was playing in rhythm. He was playing with confidence. He was throwing the ball um, with velocity. Um, it was making all the correct reads. Um, so I, I have to give Stetson credit for being able to crawl his way out of that. I think he did the same thing, um, you know, in the national title game last year. There was a, a portion of that football game where he looked frantic. He looked a little panicked. Um, he looked a little bit like he was emoting too much, right? Playing a little bit too high and a little bit too low. And then all of a sudden, he's just throwing dots. And just like he can, like, like I said just uh, a minute ago on Backstreet Boys, like he can legitimately clear the mechanism midst a football game where chaos is just ever, ever surrounding him, just all over the place. So I think that kind of encapsulates Stetson's performance to me. I, I thought... They did a great job, uh, obviously, in the screen game. I thought they did a great job attacking uh, 
uh, a safety rotation. Um, I thought uh, Todd Munkin did a great job attacking one Tampa two coverage that I can't show you. Um, one of the big Arian Smith, you know, catches uh, midway through, right after that interception, I think it was in that four play, seventy five yard touchdown pass. I think is or touchdown uh, drive. Yeah, Arian Smith has a forty seven yard uh, catch right there midway through the uh, second quarter with 10, 10 minutes left in the second quarter. That was Todd Munkin putting them in a situation where Eichenberg, number 35, has to turn and run down the middle of the field with Arian Smith. Well, you would ask yourself, how in the hell did he make them do that? And I know it was a different defensive coordinator, but the same thing happened in the Ohio State, um, Ohio State, Alabama national title game in 2020, I believe it was, uh, down there in Miami, right? The Justin Fields one, or maybe it was uh, Louisiana. Nonetheless, same thing happened. Mike Linebacker had to turn around with the fastest guy on the field and Devontae Smith. And people on Twitter are like, why would they do that? Well, they didn't want to do that. They got forced into doing that. And Georgia forced Ohio State into playing a Tampa 2 coverage where the Mike Linebacker has to turn around with Arian Smith. And credit Stetson Bennett for doing a great job of hitting him, but I would tip my cap to the offensive coordinator in the box drawing those things up and making sure those hitters are are called and um, executed when they need to be uh, in the middle of that football game. So I thought those were huge plays. Um, and that just kind of gets us to halftime. Um, let's see what else we got here. Yeah, Kenny McIntosh, 52-yard run. We hit that one. Um, Pod Lesney missing. What's up with Georgia field goal kickers nutting up in big football games? I mean, even dating back to Rod, uh, uh, Rodrigo, I mean, Pod Lesney was supposed to be the, the the rock, right? I mean, he's supposed to be Cincinnati uh, Peach Bowl last second dinger, dinger, dinger winner. Um, that was that was a little bit weird to see that happen. Georgia's normally pretty decent, except for like I said, in, in massive kicks, massive kicks they get a little tight. Um, it seems uh, as of late. I could be wrong on that one. Y'all let me know. Uh, let's see here. We got a question. We'll, we'll start hitting questions here in a little bit when I run out of. Stuff I want to talk about about this football game off the top of my head. Um, I do want to say this. That offense from Ohio State, they do some good stuff. They do. Don't get me wrong. But they do the same stuff over and over again. Saturday was one of two things. Two by two, Dover, okay, deep over from the number two receiver, attacking the leverage from the nickel corner. That was it. Or they'd get in three by one, do the same thing. Or they get in three by one nub set, do the same thing. That was the offense. Fade CJ Stroud to his left, throw him on the run. Okay. Or, hey, CJ, you mind going out there and looking like the best player in college football at the quarterback position for about two quarters? Can you do that for us, bud? Because, yeah, he did. I mean, I, I was going to put it, it was in the film notes today. That looked to me. C.J. Stroud, Marvin Harrison Jr., that looked to me just like Bryce Young and Jamison Williams looked, just like Bryce Young and John Mechie looked, just like uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar uh, Chase looked, just like Joe Burrow and Justin Jefferson looked on scramble drill. They ran scramble drill Saturday better than anybody and any opponent Georgia's ever faced. And here's the deal. If you want to beat Georgia, TCU, if you're listening, that's it. Okay, Max Duggan got to suddenly become dude with not not dude who can run with his legs, dude who can extend plays, make rushers miss, and then throw absolute dots on the run. If you can do that, you, you can score points on Georgia because nobody can cover for eight seconds. That was the other thing I was I was going to show you tonight. Y'all have got to got to got to got to got to chill out with the 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 hate and disrespect. Y'all throw towards cornerbacks. You got to, okay? When, when a corner is responsible for Marvin Harrison Jr. or Emeka Abuka or even uh, the Williams kid, that number 10, okay? When they are responsible for that person for three to four seconds, okay? That's one thing. When they're responsible for that person for seven, eight, nine seconds because Nas Stackhouse can't get C.J. Stroud to the ground, uh, Jalen Carter got shook out of his shoes by C.J. Stroud, can't get him on the ground. Uh, C.J. Stroud extends, gets outside the pocket, carries, uh, you know, seven, eight, nine yards to his, to his right, has all the time in the world for everyone to just scatter and go. By the way, also, no designed routes in scramble drill, bud. You're playing chase. You're playing chase with people who know where they're going to go 
and you don't know where they're going to go. It's not this guy might be running a slant. It's not this guy is at the portion of the field where the ball on a back shoulder fade has to be here. This is not one, two, three, four. Oh, he's going to the corner. Nope. Now he's coming back to the post. Uh-uh. This is he has ran his post. Oh, shit. He's going God knows where. And he's got an opponent or a teammate, by the way, who knows where he's going because they've been playing for years together and he can put it anywhere. How in the hell is that on the corner? Y'all got to stop. Y'all really got to stop listening to YouTube people who come out here and, and, and take a couple clips and shit on kids. Y'all really got to stop doing that one. Fourteen point answers were huge. Fourteen point answers were absolutely huge in this football game. And for Ohio State, their ability to be able to just say, "All right, um, yeah, we know we're going to get a uh, corner help, and he's playing off. We know we're going to get uh, a, a corner up underneath or a, a defensive back up underneath that said corner, all to Marvin Harrison Jr.'s side, and to be able to say, "Well, we're just going to roll C.J. Stroud right and let him run a post corner, and he runs that route so good that he's just going to get open." Like they they offensively are gifted in a sense that everything is made very, very easy for them because they always have elite weapons. Okay. Um, but I they didn't get that without the deep overs, right? And the 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 man beaters that they have in their offense that created these statistical seasons where they're just racking up points and racking up yardage. Um, they don't get these great players if they didn't have the proof of concept with regards to their wide receiver. Um, and quarterback play. I, I want to explain holding. I do. You guys have commented about this. Um, there were a lot of holds. Um, blatant tackles that were missed. I mean, tackles to the ground. Like, bear hugs ripped to the ground. Um, and I did a good job of explaining this earlier in film study that's not available. Sorry, it's not my fault. Um, let's talk about framework. Okay, what does framework mean? Okay, outside the framework of the body, is the terminology that you will hear um, with regards to holding. Okay, The framework, for lack of a better term, if you were to take your indicators, stick them right out. That's your framework. Right down your pits, down to your T's, or your toes, your T's. Right from your pits down to your toes. That's your framework of your body. If I, as an offensive lineman, take my hands, and I got you inside your framework, meaning I got my hands on your chest plate or anywhere around that surface, I can hold that sucker as tight and as strong as I want. Now, the moment you, as a defensive lineman, go outside of my framework, that's now a hold, okay? Anytime my arms are extended and I pull a shoulder, hold. Anytime uh, I give up an edge, you are, ro you are running around me and I stick my big left paw out 79 and grab that left shoulder and just kind of pull that. That's a hold, right? Um... Tate Ratledge, anytime you are in a, a screen pass and you got a safety and you're strong enough to grab him outside of your framework with your right hand and pull him inside your framework and bury him, that's a hold. Xavier Trust, when you choke slam, said same safety. 12 had a bad day, by the way. Um, and choke slam that dude with one arm outside your frame, that's a hold. Okay, so they missed a lot of holds. But that, to me, was not the issue with that football game. That was not. The issue for me is that in massive, massive critical moments in that football game, they missed plays like 12, man, 12 men on the field. They missed calls like a blatant false start on a running back on third and two. Like, shit that is impossible to miss. If you go back and look at that missed false start, it is one of the most blasphemous missed calls I've seen in my life, and I'm not exaggerating. Here's why. The job of the white hat is to stare to the ball. That's why he's standing there. And guess who was standing in his line of view? The damn running back. So when the crew chief is standing to the left of the white hat, and I can see from the box that the crew chief is clear as day reaching for his flag and walking towards the line of scrimmage. But when he looks at the white hat and says, well, shit, the white hat ain't throwing the ball, and he was looking down the dude's poop shoe. So he must not have false started. I must have been seeing something. Takes his hand off the flag and doesn't throw it. Honest to God, weirdest thing I've ever seen. Weirdest. It made no sense. 
why the white hat would be staring right down the butt crack of a running back. The running back would move. Everybody on the field was screaming, false start. Even the quarterback of said team tapped him on the helmet and said, hey, bud, pay attention now. You missed that one. You have 12 guys on the field on a fake punt. <laughs> and don't call it. Kirby Smart should have never had to call the greatest timeout in the last 10 years. It, it, it should have been a, a, legal, a legal participation. They missed it. On a fourth and one, there is a guy whose job is to literally count. That's all he does. And he's on the headset. I got 11. No, sir, you had 12. Blatant miss. And I tweeted about this today. All that is... That's the game being too fast. That's all that is. That's the action in front of you being too fast. And I'm telling you right now, if that's too fast, there is no way in hell that you're going to be able to tell whether or not Jalen Carter actually got held. Defensive tackles that are that great, they're almost like Michael Jordan in a sense that just assume they got held. Just assume they got fouled. Just assume they got hit. Because they probably did. If someone's blocking Jalen Carter for five seconds, I'm promising you they held that joker. I, I promise you they held that joker. No doubt about it. Um, What else do we got to talk about in this game? We've talked about Stetson. We've talked about um, the the umpire or the, or the uh, referees. Um, the targeting thing, I guys, it's helmet-to-helmet contact leading with the crown of the helm. helmet. That's it. Did he leave with the crown of his helmet? No. What made first contact? His shoulder pad. Did his helmet even make contact with the other guy? No. Are the results of the play the fact that one person ended up concussed and knocked out on the field? Yes. Was it ugly? Yes. Was it a flag? No. What are we doing? Was it uh, unfortunate that he was not able to play? Did it impact the outcome of the football game? Yeah. Just like it probably impacted the fact the football game or impacted the uh, outcome of the football game that by the end of it, actually not even by the end of it, by the start of the fourth quarter, Marvin Jones Jr. was on the field. For the first time since, I think, Auburn? There you go. Uh, it also impacted the game in the sense that Chas Chambliss went down and Robert Beal went down uh, and Nolan Smith's been down. Uh, and, and you know what I mean? Like, football, guys, football. And the other thing is, you think this is just now going to happen. That this, this, No, this is every year. Every single year in this sport, because they play 15 games, because they – freaking bump heads every single day in practice because there are bloody Tuesdays because they do get this team camp in August because they do have spring practice because their bodies are completely warped by the time January comes around. The injuries happen, bam, or fam. Like it happens. Like it's, it's going to happen. So do I'm not going to say it's, it's improper to say like that was a, a freak accident. Right. But the other like waning injuries, it is a part of the sport to make sure that your team is healthiest as possible by the time you reach this stage of the season. So you can peak at this stage in the season. So we can't sit here and say, well, oh, so-and-so was hurt, such-and-such. No, lined it up. You played football. That sucks, right? Darnell Washington went down, okay? B massive. Oscar Delp hadn't played a meaningful snap all season. He hasn't. I mean, y'all can say he got reps against Oregon. He's not going to get a red shirt. It's going to burn, okay? He's played in too many snaps, played in too many games. But he's not played meaningful snaps. He had to play a bunch of them Saturday. He was in there midway through the second quarter, and he survived. So, like, all these things have to happen for you to win football games like that. To win football games in January, you have to be able to be not only the uh, most physically prepared football team, mentally prepared football team, but you also have to survive. That's why it's college football. You got to survive the season. Um, let's see what else. Aaron Smith came back in a big way. Um, don't know where it's been in the sense that you would think that they would just ask him to run verts more often. I'm with you. Um, but it was only a byproduct. Him playing was only a byproduct of uh, Lad being hurt, obviously, you would imagine. All right. Um, so Aaron had a great game. Uh, I thought it was – it's noticeable, you know. It's noticeable when you see him how – just watch him run in motion. You're like, damn, that's the fastest guy on the field. Um, his ability to take the top off is something that in this offense will always be uh, valued, right? They will always seek it. 
uh, Anthony Evans is not signed uh, at the University of Georgia if Deshaun Jackson never existed. And if you don't get that reference, uh, check the Wikipedia of Todd Munkin. He uh, coached in Tampa when Deshaun Jackson had a career year. I mean, I think it was his ninth year in the league. Deshaun Jackson had already gone through the Philadelphia Eagles organization. He'd already been picked up and signed somewhere else, and he was in Tampa as like a last-ditch effort. And Todd Munkin got that dude another $40 million in the NFL, okay, because he had like a 1,200-yard season in one year. Yeah, make sure y'all hit that like button. Um, Buddy doing a good job of uh, giving everybody the reminder. There's a bunch of people in here. Appreciate y'all being here, man. This is, again, if you're here expecting film study, sorry. Um, they, I guess they're super protective about that that footage. So, And I understand why. It was a massive football game. So uh, don't know if we're going to be able to do film study here. Um, but we're talking about the game, and I've studied the game myself. Um, and I think those are – we can give you some important observations based off of that. So I, I'm, I'm actually going to look at my show notes right here and see if – make sure I didn't miss anything. Um, we already talked about Munkin being in his bag. I mean, it was absolutely insanity. Oh, oh, dude, the two-minute drill. Ooh, that was sweaty, huh? Um, saw it from the box. The touchdown right before the half was just – there is a linebacker at the University of Georgia that's he is not made to cover. He is made to live in the box. And he's the best box linebacker that they might ever have, not named Roquan Smith. But boy, when he gets matched up with a five foot eleven, 185 pound converted wide receiver, he ain't gonna win that one. Okay. And that's what happened to Jamon Dumont Johnson really, really quickly. Uh so yeah. But next topic, which is the more important topic. Ohio State did nothing to finish that football team off. Nothing. They had the, the Marvin Harrison hit that Ohio State fans are, are obvious, obviously upset about. Um, guys, that was third down. They had, two, they had two other attempts from the AR line to put that ball in the end zone. They had three shots at the end zone to score a touchdown to go up 18 points, by the way, with a minute left in the third quarter. Making a three-score game midway through, or almost into the fourth quarter. Didn't do it. The ensuing possession, Georgia is in must-score mode, down 14, um, and is in fourth and six, and, and they can't get off the field. Brock Bowers converts. Game of inches, right? Those are two opportunities right there. Uh, and, and, and the other one, they, they called a great play. They called a great play on that punt. It was a dialed-up play. They called a great play on the fourth and uh, short in the first half. The, the tight end uh, illegal motion. It was a great play. Did not execute. You did not execute in the heat of the battle. Right there. You missed. Failure, illegal motion, five-yard penalty. You punt the football after converting it. Right? And then in the, the other biggest moment of the football game, eight minutes and 48 seconds left in the fourth quarter, fourth and one ball in the 28. Ryan Day has got the nuts to call a fake punt, and he converts it. But Kirby Smart from the other sideline, with the defensive comms on the headset, looked down the field and saw something that he wasn't used to, saw something that looked different, and ran down a call of timeout. Now, the special teams unit in the box may have been on the comms screaming like a bandit, but he didn't hear it. He was just playing gut. He was just going off his gut in the heat of the moment right there and right there. And honestly, I cannot think of a moment where a coach made a singular decision in the midst of a football game that impacted the outcome more than that one. I, I thought about it today, and the only one that I can think about is Nick Saban making the change from Hurts to Tua. But, guys, that still required Tua to go out there and be elite. This was one decision. This was right – like milliseconds from not happening. Timeout. Georgia goes to the national title after they handle business the next eight minutes. That was nuts. And what else was nuts? I'll tell you what else was nuts. This right here. Because it did. If you go back and watch the film study from last week, um, we showed a clip of them trying to almost run a fake punt against Michigan in their final game of the regular season. And I went like this. Alert, alert, alert. Scott Cochran, watch out. They have fakes built in. Put me on staff. Massive, massive moment in the football game. Okay. 
um, completely flipped everything. Okay. Uh, yeah. So huge call right there, but not only that to come right back after and hit Arian on the 75 yard touchdown pass with the DB falling down again, Munkin doing what Munkin does, uh, got him into a bunch, right? Stacked the wide receivers and basically used Arian Smith. Very, very similar to the way, uh, Alabama killed you guys for years with Henry Ruggs and all those speed demons, right? Stacking those guys and kind of free releasing them and making you play uh, off man, right? Making you back up 12 yards and then cover man to man as a guy sprinting at you. It's really, really hard. That's why he fell down. He's backpedaling. He's got a guy running 4 2 at him and just runs right by him. And as he tries to, as he tries to flip his hips, he just falls right on his face. And there you go. Touchdown pass, uh, University of Georgia. So those were huge plays, obviously. Um, yeah, that one play after the punt was massive. And then Georgia holding them to a field goal right after that, right? That was the uh, – I think right after that, they. I don't know. I'm, 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 my brain's a little foggy at this point uh, with all this riffing. Um, but the, the, the closeout of the football game was insanity as well. Start trading uh, blows right there. The last two drives um, – for Georgia, or the last drive, rather, from Georgia was just bonkers. Um, those last three throws in a row, the A.D. Mitchell throw, A.D. ran the best route. I, I, I'm not going to be able to show it to you, but it wasn't just like he, the corner had inside leverage, okay? He stacked the corner. The corner was tra in trail position directly behind him. A.D. Mitchell sold, like, sold the fake to the corner. So he, like, guys go inward. And then he faked out, and then he faked – he, like, double faked. He double deked the corner at the top of the route and then broke off to the – he's back. He's back. And I tweeted about it before the game, and I just had a hunch. I just had a hunch that there was no way in hell that they would go down without trying to get five of the ball multiple times. And sure as shit, first two passes of the game, they go to him, and when they needed a score or when they got a score, they went right to him. So, I, he's back. Um, whether or not he's going to be like one of these guys you saw from Ohio State, I don't know. Is he going to be a Malcolm Mitchell quality of like great at Georgia? You would sure as hell take that, wouldn't you? Is he going to be A.J. Green, George Pickens? I, I don't know. But George wasn't that. I, George never put the output like that. He always had the plays like that. He had a couple moments like that, right? The Sugar Bowl in 2019, he had moments like that. But it was never like a full 16 or, you know, 14-game slate of – George Pickens being the best receiver in college football. I don't know if we get that from AD. I don't even know if he's coming back next year. That's that's, that's a question we're seeing right now in the chat. Um, people will look at his uh, Georgia player card and say, well, he's only a sophomore, Brooks. And I would say, yeah, he is. Um, but he graduated high school a year early. So he spent a year in what is the equivalent of credit recovery and then enrolled at the University of Georgia. So he's been out of high school for three years. Okay, so he is eligible for the NFL draft, at least per the agents that I speak to. Um, so it, it is a possibility whether or not he's going to go. I don't know. I think the injury this year obviously directly impacts that. Um, I wouldn't imagine he leaves, but he has the possibility to do so. Um, again, don't think it's going to happen, but just because it, it, there's an option, we have to talk about it. Also, which uh, Kenny McIntosh talked about uh, – accepting an invite to the uh, senior bowl today. So obviously he'll be gone. I we've done the rants on the super senior thing. I think it's silly. I think, I think you should have just gave them to that one year and been like, ah, you know, sorry, big 10 guys. You only got to play six games your freshman year. That sucks. Um, the seniors, they only got to play six games that year. You can come back next year because you know, it's fair or whatever. But this idea that we're going to squeeze rosters for the next five years is, is mind blowing to me. It makes absolutely no sense. Um, just like I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this. I, and Aaron, Aaron Murray and I talked about this on Twitter today. I hated the way Ryan Day and, and Ohio State ended that football game. Um, I, I hate hate is a strong word, but I did not like it at all. I did not like the way that they. I mean, they ran the ball on first down when they finally when he scrambles right when C.J. Stroud they get away with a massive hold. He scrambles up the uh, past midfield and they get down, right? It's like 21 seconds left on the clock or whatever the hell it was. They run the football, get stuffed on first down. These guys at Ohio State are supposed to be the bread and butter for quarterback play and passing concepts and all this stuff. 
Like, they're supposed to be the best passing unit in college football, not named Lincoln Riley. That's who we talk about when we talk about Ohio State. And on second down, I'm pretty sure they roll him right, and damn near he throws a pick, or they try to throw a, a little hitch route, and uh, Javon Ballard or the corner, I can't, Keely Ringo, somebody breaks it up, right? Ball flies in the air, ball gets picked off. The next play, on third and 10, they have to get five yards to turn a 49-yarder into a 44-yarder, or they have to get 10 yards to tur- turn a 49-yarder into a 39-yarder to go to the national title. And do you know what that dude does? He huddle, he rushes them to the line of scrimmage in the game's most critical portion of the football game, the most critical down. He rushes them to the line of scrimmage and makes them run their NASCAR routes. Their delayed stick, um, they're delayed out, right, and a, and a clear out on the left, and whatever they had working to his right that he he looked off to start the, 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 the play. And sure as shit, down set hut, he looks right, comes back to his left. As he does so, Georgia's just now catching up with what the call is, and there's a defender standing right there what should have been an easy pitch and catch. And it makes Stroud take his eyes off of it. And now all of a sudden, he's getting rushed. You know why? Because they didn't have their protection set. Because how could you? Georgia wasn't set. And the funniest thing is, it cost them a touchdown against Michigan. Again, we showed you that one. We, we showed you that film where I told you they prioritize the suddenness over the actual effective route distance, right? We showed you a clip of them on third and 10, rushing to the line of scrimmage in the red zone against Michigan, running a whip return, and him almost throwing a pick six, incomplete, field goal unit on, they kick the ball. Biggest play of the game against Georgia, third and 10. They got to get some yardage to make it an easier field goal. Boom. They get on the ball, they hurry up, and they throw an incomplete pass after getting rushed out of the pocket and almost really cost them a football game by getting sacked. Just a real, real, real funny uh, kind of exchange and decisions towards the end of that football game. I tweeted about it at halftime. I stood by it all week. I said it on Baxter Street Boys. I said it on uh, 680 The Fan. I said it on this network on NBR. There are two types of football coaches. I stand by this. There are two types of football coaches. There are the football coaches that say, we do what we do, and you got to stop it. Okay, who are these guys? There are Lincoln Riley's. There are Kyle Shanahan's. There are Ryan Day's. They run their offense until you stop it. And once you stop it, there it is. You stopped it, right? Saturday's offense for Ryan Day was deep overs, okay, and C.J. Stroud extending with his legs and making nasty-ass throws on the run. That was the offense. They did that for four quarters. Never once changed it, okay? Now, there are other – the other coach is the coach that makes all the adjustments. Every week they're different. You never know what football team you're going to get. One week they're a man team. One week they're a zone team. Now, they have, like, very solid principles upon which their program is built, but every single week they're different. This week they're a 12-team attached on offense. This week they're a three-by-one team out of 11 personnel. Uh, this drive they're going to be a 12-team. This drive they're going to be an 11-team. This drive they're going to be a 12-team out of spread, Right? The idea and concept of multiple, that's the other coach. The coach that adapts, changes, is always moving. You know who the coaches do that? Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, Kirby Smart. Watch their offenses. Watch their defenses. Watch their programs. You know who always makes the revolutionary change first? Bama, Belichick, Georgia now. They're always moving first. They're always moving the ball. They're not constantly doing the same thing, even in in-game, right? Even in-game, they're not constantly doing the same thing. A prime example this week, right, while uh, pretty much Georgia or Ohio State comes out and runs a, a very effective offense for four quarters and really dials in that deep over concept and really allows C.J. Stroud to kind of get out of the pocket and extend and allow their wide receivers to win on scramble drill. On the other end, Georgia comes out every single week. You don't really know who they're going to be. And midway through the football game, they have to make these adjustments and they can do so, right? A prime example of this is what we're talking about with Munkin. I think Munkin realized really, really early that their naked game was going to get shut down by the actions that they were getting from the front side inside linebacker from Ohio State. And every single time they would go to run naked, uh, a linebacker would be standing in Stetson Bennett's face and he would have to double clutch, turn around and throw a pick to Steel Chambers on the left side. Well, they start making these tinkerings. They start making these changes. And they ultimately win the football game. 
because they run the football effectively. They uh, ultimately get back to their uh, levels concepts out of a different kind of look. They adjusted the play-action look. They ran a play-action interface that I haven't seen them run all year. They put the back on the left, opened them to the left, and ran inside zone action to the left. They haven't done that all year. But they did it in the middle of the football game because they could. They're coached to do that. They're coached to be adaptable. Now, I understand the need to do both of these things. You can win doing these things, right? You can win Ryan Day's way. You can win saying, we do what we do every single week. You're not going to beat us. We're better than you. You can win championships like that. But in games like Saturday, where you go into the half and you're only down three, despite the fact that that other football team played way better than you, I told Brandon Adams at halftime, because y'all know B.A., he's the only one on this beat that gets to be a fan and really, really sweats it out, not from a business perspective, but it's got that tight fan, you know, energy up in that press box. And I told him, I said, B.A., you're okay, and here's why. This is an adjustments game. And one of these coaches you have to uh, expect is going to win an adjustments game. And I'll be damned if Kirby Smart didn't walk circles around that dude the last eight and a half minutes. You know what I mean? Like, he made every right decision. Every single one. And they won the football game. All right, let's fire up Q&A right quick while we got a peak audience right here. 576 people. Uh, hit that thumbs up button. Appreciate you guys for being here. Um, again, if you're here for film, we're not going to have it. Um, don't know if we're going to have it the rest of the year. It looks like ESPN is locking that footage down. Um, so you're going to have to come to me for my hot takes and analysis via this fat mouth of mine. So appreciate you for being here. Hit that thumbs up button. Uh, maybe we can figure out some way to do it over on Patreon or some sorts, but I don't want to poke the bear. Um, so there you go. Yeah, we do have two BAs. The, the BA, okay, and I hope he's listening tonight. He's probably not. He's probably doing his own thing. The BA is Brandon Adams, okay? I'm Brooks Austin. My brother goes by BA, but, you know, if you want to call me BA, that's fine, but I like to uh, tip the cap to the OG BA, which is Brandon Adams, who's always been extremely nice to me and is really, really good at what he does. Um, so, yeah, I always like to tip the cap to the ones who was here first. Uh, here we go. Why do you think we didn't see too much uh, run game success or counter success? JS, I think you had a lot of run success once you figured out what they were trying to do to you. Um, as far as the counter game goes, I think part of that front side inside backer action was the reason you weren't able to kind of run counter towards them because uh, they were over pursuing and getting upfield a lot. I got the impression that it was going to be a big draw game and a big screen game. Um, with how much they got up the field, and it turned out to be a big screen game. They ran screen a lot uh, and, and to a lot of success. Uh, and traditional halfback screen, too. Uh, we've seen the halfback angle screen from Munkin. We've seen the swing screens. Uh, we've seen all these. What we haven't seen a ton of is traditional, like, NCAA-type halfback delayed screen. We have not seen that a ton from this Munkin offense, and he threw it, I think, twice on Saturday. Reached into the bag and pulled it out whenever he needed to. So um, absolutely was dialed in on Saturday. I, I thought he called one of his better football games uh, since I've been covering uh, Munkin. Do you think TCU puts 35 points on the dogs? UGA defense was terrible against Ohio State. I haven't studied TCU a ton, obviously. Um, don't watch a lot of Big 12 football. Um, hold on. Um, I don't watch a lot of Big 12 football, um, but I know they're fast. I know they're fast, and I know they run a 3-3-5. The, the, my general consensus off of watching them just from inside the stadium and looking up on the box um, was – I think they're – I don't know what game they're talking about getting suspended. Um, or maybe they're talking about the Monday night game. I'm we're trying to read the comments here. Um, the way I explained it to a buddy of mine, Jamie Goodman, the other day was I think TCU upon first watch and, and kind of a glimpse looks like Ole Miss on offense to me and a really, really fast Mississippi State on defense. Uh, how many teams have UGA played so far that ran three through five stack that TCU runs? Uh, Blake Gunner asks. Shouts out to the super sub. By the way, if you want your uh, question to for sure 1,000% get hit today, make sure you hit that super sub. we got 16 minutes left going tonight, guys. So let's get them things rattled in um blake gunner asked again how uh have any teams ugas played so far ran three through five stack that tcu runs yeah sanford ran it or a similar version of it uh kent state ran it or a similar version of it though they played a lot of four two nickel 
um, in that football game, if I recall. I remember Kirby and I talking about that after the game. Um, Mississippi State, three three five, and that's about it. Now, why have teams started to go to three three five uh, kind of concepts? One, it's a symmetrical defense, okay, meaning one on the right looks like the one on the left. They're down the line symmetrical. Also, it provides an opportunity for you to play a nice, easy cover three shell um, and be consistent with doing so. So you can play fast. You can get on the ball. You can line up. You can do all that stuff. Also, it creates a level of uh, unpredictability with regards to what gap everyone is going to be in. So if you're an offensive line and you know you're playing a 3-3-5 or a odd stack football team, as we would call them, uh, know for a fact that you're going to get surprised a couple of times on Saturday. You're going to be step in one place and get hit right in the mouth because someone slanted right into your chin strap. And that sucks. And it, you really hate it if you're a guard. I hated it when I was playing center and guard tackles. It is what it is. You got a four out, you got a five. It is what it is. Business as usual. Them interior offensive linemen, that's a challenge. It's, it's going to be a big-time football game for are my eyes in the right place? Did I make sure I didn't overextend on my first step? And can I read and react to what's happening in front of me? The only thing that would concern me, and this is um, not something I think is going to be a problem, but could be, is lateral mobility of Xavier Trust and Tate Rowledge is not their bag. Those guys are north and south football players. Those guys are 45-degree football players. They are not 90-degree football players. Okay, So if someone starts on their right shoulder and immediately darts to their left, that's the only time I ever see them get beat. Now, do they get beat every time it happens? No. I, I had a player get upset with me this weekend because I said the only time they get beat is with this, and it was, how dare you say I can get beat? Like, dog, that's not that's not the sport that you play, buddy. That's not. You are vulnerable out there to getting your butt whooped just like everybody else, and sometimes it happens. And when it happens, it most, tended, or most likely happens because of this. Be, be, be accepting of that coaching i'm not somebody who's just an idiot i know i think i know what i'm talking about here and i don't do it out of spite i've never attacked anyone um i just try to be honest with the analysis y'all gonna ask me who it was i'm not telling you uh levathian smiles uh y'all always laugh when i try to pronounce his name I, levathian i'm gonna have to get you to hit me up we're gonna have to get full uh fanatical spelling of this fanatical no Phonetic, phonetic spelling. I got it. Uh, what do you think the solution changes will be for recurring weaknesses on the defense? A big part of the playing NFL QBs and wide receivers, but can that be corrected with DB scheme or better edge rushers? All right. So I think they got a, a Sunday guy receiver. I don't know if Max Duggan's an NFL football player, but I didn't think Brock Purdy was an NFL football player either. And they're very, very, I'm not going to say similar, but it's kind of, I got to go study Max Duggan. Maybe my 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 analysis will be different. But it, nothing pops except for he is a A-minus runner and an A-minus thrower. Okay? And super, super tough. So there you go. So an A-plus-plus competitor. A competitor. That shit will beat you. That's what I know. Right off rip, he's competitive, he's accurate, and he is a threat with his legs. Those three things right there, they'll scare you. As far as what your actual question was, I don't have any answer. I, I I got two answers for what happened Saturday. I got one, actually. Get his ass on the ground. Tackle C.J. Stroud. If you can get the quarterback on the ground, all those plays Saturday don't matter. I, I don't think they matter. The deep overs don't even kill you. They don't. The reason they had success in the green area was, like, all of their scores, if I remember correctly, were off scrambles or resulted in plays being made down there because of, a scramble drill type of environment, a freelance type of play. The only way you can stop that from happening is to uh, keep the quarterback inside the pocket. Let's see. We're going to make sure I don't hit or miss any super subs here. I think we had one way early in the chat that I didn't, I, I didn't notice here. This was it right here. Ransom did the same thing in the mission game. He is coming off a broke ankle, which is obviously affecting him. Um, sounds like an Ohio State fan with the super sub comment right there. Appreciate the bread there, cuz. Um, you almost got that long, that money that long way up there up north. Um, yeah, I, okay. In conclusion, let's talk about this. 
I think that the last eight and a half minutes, like we said earlier, were absolutely phenomenal for the University of Georgia. They were doing everything right type of uh, deals. Okay, I, I don't want to say Ohio State lost that football game, but they didn't finish it. They never once put it away, um, and you can't do that. And I think it's fitting, and we'll end on this tonight. I think it's fitting that the University of Georgia fan base now has to go out here and not do the defending thing, but do the, man, we didn't deserve to win that football game. Because you know how many times you've been on the other end of that as a fan base? You didn't deserve to lose the 2017 national title. You didn't deserve to lose the 2018 uh, LSU or uh, SEC championship game against Alabama. You deserve to lose those football games. They got taken from you. They got pulled from you. I mean, you got beat. Don't get me wrong, but they got pulled from your hands. They were You were in the grasp, and you did not put the nail in the coffin. You were on the other end of that Saturday. So don't ask how or how did this happen or why did this happen or anything like that. Just be like, whoo man, because you finally got one. You finally ended up on that end of that. That's got, I mean, that's got to feel better than anything else was that you weren't the one, uh, you know, hook shanking one left or you weren't the one that uh, the, the, the coach made the, uh, the decision at the end of the football game to change things, right? Those things are elite. That must feel really, really good if you're a college football fan um, of the University of Georgia. So, shouts out. Shouts out to you guys as well. I don't, I don't want to leave this. I haven't seen a number that high in a fat minute. So, um, I, I guess I can keep giving you observations. Um, I thought Javon Ballard is going to continue to kind of get, I'm not going to say picked on, but they, they're clearly, they were clearly attacking him Saturday. Um, we've already ranted about cornerback play. We've already told you all year, though, with the Javon Ballard stuff. Um, Amarius Mims, let's talk about him. Great, great interaction with him after the football game where, you know, we actually get to go in the locker rooms after the, the bowl games and get to talk to him and just ask him about, you know, eight months ago, dude, he was in the portal. Y'all know this. Y'all are freaking out. Five-star tackle enters the portal. And then somehow, some way, Kirby Smart and – uh, Stacy Searles and Warren McClendon and and all of his teammates convince him to continue to be a Georgia Bulldog, and he rides pine for most of the year this year. I mean, he plays guys, but that ain't that ain't five star playing time. Y'all know that. That is not. That is that is five star. Uh, make them happy playing time. Five star. He's too good to not be on the field playing time. Five star. We don't want to lose him playing time. That's what that is when he's not the starter. And then Warren McClendon goes down, first career start, Amarius Mims. And it could not have been a better matchup. He played great Saturday. I thought there was some touch-and-go stuff that can be cleaned up, but it wasn't. I was not watching Broderick Jones' first career start. Broderick Jones' first career start, that dude was getting on by God. He was, he was getting by on God. God blessed that man with so many gifts that he could just walk out there and stand in front of people and win. Amarius was playing football and, and, and successfully doing so. So that looked really, really good um, from his perspective. I think Warren is going to be fine by the next 10 days. I think he would have been fine if they needed him uh, Saturday. Uh, but, you know, as much as we talk about um, – I guess there was a – was there – I guess there was a death on Monday Night Football. Um, as much as we talk about Kirby Smart's ability to acquire talent, his about his ability to keep talent, his talent retention is off the charts. I think Dave does a good job of this too. If you listen to the players from Ohio State, they seem to love that place, um, and seem to love the people around it. Uh, but Kirby, more than any program in the country right now, is doing a better job of keeping the Mary Smiths, keeping the Nylon Greens. Uh, keeping the Tresman Marshalls, who, by the way, played like 40 snaps on Saturday, keeping the Ryan Davises, uh, keeping the Warren McClendons, keeping the Xavier Trusses, keeping the Kenny McIntoshes. Guys, we just, we just rattled off eight, nine, ten names of starters who didn't start until their third or fourth year in college. 
Trayvon Walker did not start until the third year in college football. Jalen Carter did not start until the third year of college football. That's not, again, that's not normal. That's not the standard. That's not how it works. Normally, even at the elite programs, the ones who you would think are tied on and screwed on correctly, like Alabama, Drew Sanders is not playing for Alabama no more. He's going to get drafted out of the, the University of Arkansas because they couldn't retain him. One of their best players on their defense couldn't keep him around. So what does Arkansas do? Come on. So, yeah, you you got to be able to recruit five stars. But Chris Smith's got to develop and want to stick around. Nazir Stackhouse has got to stick around and want to develop. All those names, all those names, vital, super vital for the success of Georgia football. Carson Beck, he's going to wait three full years before he actually is the favorite to have the job. That's a long time. That's a long time. And again, not, not like that everywhere else. Okay. Um, not a given in, in today's day and age of college football. So, um, Elite stuff there. Michael Williams, holy hell. Pass rush is that get off lightning quick. That dude got off that football on third and whatever it was. The sack, the, I think he had two sacks Saturday, but the big one down in the red zone. My God, his get off and, and, and quick twitch. That first step was elite. He went speed to power on a first round tackle like it was nothing. He walked through Paris Johnson, um, who is really, really good. So, I, I I can't be more impressed with Michael. Can't be more impressed with Malachi Starks. Um, I again we we talk about the the signing five stars at, at Georgia is what they do, right? But not not all five stars are created equal. Not all five stars are, are freshman All American. They're not. Georgia's were this year. Georgia's two freshmen that they needed. They had to have a new defensive end come in. They had to get a safety to come in and play two for two. I I don't know if it's like that everywhere else, but it was here this year and they got them ready to play and they were 1000% uh, ready to just plug right in and go. So that's, that's some elite uh, player acquisition, but selection of talent as well. Cause at this point at Georgia, they kind of get to pick what, what it is that they want um, and move forward with it. So um Elite stuff there um, in terms of hit rates on certain guys. Um, trying to think. We are, we're, 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 we're opting. We're, we're making moves to be in L.A. Um, I, think it's, it's definitely, I, th- I think it's definitely happening for me. I don't, I don't know about for, for the team, for the squad. But we're, we're going we're gonna to try to make it work um, for everybody. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll break down TCU a little bit more, I guess, as the the week kind of progresses. Um, but let's talk about what what Brooksy's got going on moving forward. Tomorrow, I'm going to take the day off. I, I feel like I haven't not worked since before the SEC championship game because um, I basically mentally took the week off at Georgia Tech. Just kidding, that's a joke. Don't don't believe that. Um, but I'm going to take tomorrow off, and then Wednesday morning. I'm getting up, and I'm flying to San Antonio for the Adidas All-American game. Um, we'll be live from there some point this week. There's not enough to do, so I'll, I'll be doing something for you guys out there. So be looking out for that. We'll have tremendous amount of content um, regarding the Adidas All-American game. I want to look and see, while I continue to riff here, uh, who all is in that game, because I think last time I looked, um, there was a good uh, you know, six or seven UGA commits in that football game. Here we go. Let's see here. Uh, Damon Wilson playing in that football game. Uh, let's see here. Monroe Freeling playing in that football game. Jordan Hall playing in that football game. C.J. Allen playing in that football game. Uh, Pierce Sperling, first time seeing him against a uh, live comp in a long time. Lawson Lucky playing in that football game. Already enrolled at Georgia, but going to take a week off to go up there. Jamal Jarrett not playing. He just had a boot on his foot. Um, so he won't be playing. But nonetheless, uh, Kelton Smith, he's supposed to be out there. So we'll get to talk to him as well. I don't know if he's going to be playing because he had a shoulder injury. Um, let's see here. Who do we miss? Who do we miss? Who do we miss? That's that. 
about six or seven guys that, and a lot of guys that we don't get a lot of uh, coverage from, like Damon Wilson. I haven't seen that guy ever. So uh, we'll get a lot of uh, in-person evaluations from yours truly. And then after that, uh, we're planning to be in LA. So appreciate you guys for being here. Hit that thumbs up button on your way out. Uh, yeah, man, it's been good stuff. We'll see you next time. Love you.